May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. It's a real pleasure to be here. It's always an honor to be invited back to a place after you've spoken there once. Now, you never know how this is going to go, but it's always a real joy, and I was honored to have the invitation to come back and to preach this sermon. But I have to tell you that this sermon has become a source of of real disappointment for my wife. And the reason may not be what you would think. What's happened is for about the last two years, and I'm not exaggerating, for about the last two years, I've had the same song stuck in my head. And what that means for my wife is that she's been hearing a very bad singer singing the same song for about two years. And a couple of months ago, it just sort of stopped. It faded. You know, maybe a new song was in my head. I'm not sure what it was, but I wasn't singing it all the time. And she quietly, she never mentioned it because that could have put it back in my head. She just quietly thought this is a good thing. But then when I got this invitation, I opened up, I looked at the readings, and I read the story of Mary and Martha. And without knowing it, five minutes later, I'm singing the song again. And my wife thought, what has happened? What has happened? This is what happens when you read the Bible, she said. She didn't say that. Um, But I want to share with you why I think this story put this song in my head. The song is a song by Bob Dylan. It's written in the 1960s, but he didn't record it until the 1990s. It was recorded by the birds. But I would strongly encourage you to look for a Dylan recording. But the song is called Lay Down Your Weary Tune. Lay Down Your Weary Tune. It's actually a song about two songs. So first Dylan talks about one song. This is the chorus. He says, lay down your weary tune. Lay down the song you strum. So that's song one. Weary tune, song we strum. But then he mentions another song. And he says, but rest yourself neath the strength of strings. No voice could ever hum. This apparently is the second song, some song that's strong and that we can rest beneath, but we apparently can't sing. Apparently it comes from somewhere else. And as I've listened to that Dylan song, I've always thought, well, what are the two songs? What are the lyrics? I'd like to listen to the second song and stop singing the first one. And as I read the story of Mary and Martha again, it hit me that both the songs, the weary tune and the strong and restful song, are in this passage. The story's pretty straightforward. Jesus comes to a town, and a woman named Martha invites Jesus into her home. And when he comes in, she gets very busy with the hospitality. You know, Jesus has just come into your home. I think we should probably do a nice thing. It says she was very distracted by serving. Her sister Mary, on the other hand, it says, was sitting at Jesus' feet and listening. So two very different responses to Jesus entering the home. But then Martha comes and she says something to Jesus. And what she says, I think, exposes that her busyness wasn't just hospitality for Jesus' sake, but there was a little bit of serving to be noticed for her own sake. Because she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her to help me. Sort of as if she's saying, hey, did you notice? I know Mary's sitting at your feet. But did you notice what I'm doing? And what this exposes, I think, is that Mary, who's sitting there listening to Jesus, is a little different than Martha in the sense that Martha, even though she's busy serving Jesus, is still thinking about herself. Now, I don't know about you, but I've definitely had instances where I was very busy 
or doing something that I thought I was doing for somebody else. But then the situation was such that it exposed that I was actually doing it for myself. One very painful to remember, but probably funny for you to hear, experience was shortly after the birth of my third child, I decided I would give my wife a little break on a Saturday morning and take the children to the grocery store. No one told me that three young children is just too many to take to the grocery store. It turns out that's true. And my wife didn't care what my motives were. So let me be clear, this was still worth doing, even though my motives were profoundly mixed. My wife had the children out of the house, and she slept a little later. She didn't care why I did it. She was just happy that I did it. But I get to the grocery store, and it turns out that this just isn't manageable. One child wants to be in the shopping cart, one child wants to be out, one child wants to grab everything off the shelf, another child just wants to push over the shelves. And as I'm sort of going through the list, I reach a point where I just think, this is not worth doing, I'm not enjoying this, and I just walked out of the grocery store, sort of, with two items left on the list. And as I walked out, I realized, what I meant by this is not worth doing is, this is too much effort to get my wife to think, hey, good job or something like that. So I kind of hung my head, feeling that guilt, went back in, finished the grocery shopping, make it up to the cash register, just trying to get out of there. Thinking, okay, we've reached the finish line. This very kind, sweet, well-meaning cashier looks at me, looks at the children. I think the chaos should be clear, but she apparently saw cuteness, and she says, aren't these the best years of your life? And I responded to her, I really did. I said, ma'am, I hope not. And we got out. Now, I tell you that story simply to say that I resonate with Martha. Okay, this is not a sermon against Martha. Martha's weary tune has been mine. And Jesus knows it. He knows what it feels like. Because what he says to Martha is, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And I feel that. I can be anxious and troubled about how my kids are going to turn out. How things are going to go with work. When my kids leave the house, are they going to get into college? And if they do, will they ever call? Sometimes you wonder, what's the doctor going to say after you've been there and he calls with the report? Sometimes you wonder, do your friends actually sort of like hanging out with you or do they just tolerate you? There are many, many things that can make us anxious and troubled. But I think what Jesus does here in his words to Martha, is that he diagnoses the song that she's singing through her activity and her questions as a weary tune. Because he doesn't just say you are anxious and troubled. He also says, but one thing is necessary. And Martha's busyness seems to be a symptom of her answer to the question, what is the one thing necessary? Martha's answer to that question seems to be, me. I am the one thing necessary. And this, I think, is the sort of lyric of the weary tune. There's a poem by Samuel Johnson, who was the English critic, chief editor and compiler of the English Dictionary. And he wrote this poem called Know Thyself. And this is what he said. I find myself still fettered to myself, and cares beget cares, and vexed trouble. Vile dreams and restless sleep, oh sleep, sleep I call. So what he seems to be saying is he finds himself fettered or chained or tied or bound to himself. And the result of that 
is that he has cares and troubles and he cannot sleep. Life, Johnson is saying, when you're chained to yourself, is a weary tune. And this is what I think happens when the many things, which in and of themselves are good, jobs and relationships and kids, friendships, marriages, activities, all these many things which are good, when these many things become the one thing, well then comes anxiety and trouble and life becomes a weary tune. This is when we get chained to ourselves because we think that our actions, our identities, our histories, our family trees, our children are the answer to the question, who am I? But what I want to suggest is that what this does, and the reason this is a weary tune, is that it forces us to be like Atlas. Do you remember the Titan in Greek mythology whose punishment is that he had to hold up the heavens? Well, when we are the answer to the question, what's the one thing necessary? We're like Atlas, carrying not so much the weight of the world, but the weight of our own worth. And Jesus knows what this feels like. And he says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And I don't know about you, but when I hear those words from Jesus, you are anxious and troubled about many things. The first thing I have to say is, yes, I am. Thank you for noticing. That's what life can feel like. But Jesus' words don't stop there. He doesn't just teach us the words of the weary two. He also says something that I think points to a different one thing necessary. A one thing that lifts the weight of our own worth off of our shoulders and puts it on those of the one who said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And here I think we start to approach Dylan's second song, the strong song you can rest beneath. Because as Jesus continues, after he says to Martha, you are anxious and troubled by many things, he says, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. So you'll remember what Martha was doing. She was distracted by much serving. And her question exposes that some of her serving was also tied up with herself and wanting to be noticed. But what was Mary doing? Nothing. Mary was doing nothing. She was sitting at Jesus' feet, and Jesus was doing something. Teaching, speaking, and she was doing nothing and hearing. And it seems to me that Jesus' affirmation of Mary's choice points to the second song. If the weary tune is, one thing is necessary, me... The strong song, according to this story, seems to go like this. There is one thing necessary. Jesus. You see, we are not, as Samuel Johnson feared, fettered or chained to ourselves. We are not the one thing necessary. That's the weary tune. But here's the strong song that we can rest beneath. Jesus is the one thing necessary. And the reason for this, the reason that Jesus is a strong and restful song is because as our reading from Colossians says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. 
In him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He is the beginning, St. Paul says. He's the firstborn from the dead. Through him, God is pleased to reconcile all things to himself, making peace through the blood of his cross. And then he adds, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Do you hear the strong song there? You are not the one thing necessary. You do not determine or define what God sees and says when he looks at you. That's the weary tune. But Jesus is the one thing necessary. He determines what God sees and says when he looks at you. And what he sees and says is holy, blameless, above reproach, mine. And this, this song, is the strong song that God is singing to you in Jesus' name right now. No voice can hum it. I think Dylan was right. But scripture does invite us to hear God sing it. And it's less a weary tune than it is a lullaby. But it's a strange lullaby because it both lets us rest and awakens us from the sleep of death. It's a song with a lot of verses. Verses that go something like, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us to remember them no more. Or, God made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Or, this is a trustworthy saying, worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. A song with comforting and beautiful verses. But I think the chorus always sounds similar. And I think the chorus of this second restful song, the song that says the one thing necessary is Jesus, is the song that God is singing to you right now in Jesus' name. And I think it goes like this. And maybe this song will get stuck in your head. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. In you, I am well pleased. Sweet dreams and awake. Amen. Amen.